Now, Srila Prabhupada has written in a question or a little bit uh, something prior to the verse that's translated to make it work better. This is very interesting. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. Someone may say that aside from devotees who always seek the shelter at the lotus feet, at the Lord's lotus feet, there are those who are not devotees but who have accepted different processes for attaining salvation. What happens to them? In answer to this question, Lord Brahma and the other demigods said, O lotus-eyed Lord, Although non-devotees who accept severe austerities and penances to achieve the highest position may think themselves liberated, their intelligence is impure. They fall down from their position of imagined superiority because they have no regard for your lotus feet. So I say, and you can repeat, someone may say that aside from devotees, who always seek shelter of the Lord's lotus feet, there are those who are not devotees, but who have accepted different processes for attaining salvation. What happens to them? In answer to this question, Lord Brahma and the other demigods said, O lotus-eyed Lord, although non-devotees who accept severe austerities and penances to achieve the highest position may think themselves liberated, their intelligence is impure. They fall down from their position of imagined superiority because they have no regard for your lotus feet. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Aside from devotees, there are many others, non-devotees, known as karmis, jnanis or yogis, philanthropists, altruists, politicians, impersonalists, and voidists. There are many varieties of non-devotees who have their respective ways of liberation, but simply because they do not know the shelter of the Lord's lotus feet, although they falsely think that they have been liberated and elevated to the highest position, they fall down. <coughs> As clearly stated by the Lord Himself in Bhagavad Gita 9.3, Paranam parantapa aprapya mam nibartante mrityusam saravartmani. Translation Those who are not faithful on the path of devotional, devotional service cannot attain me, O conqueror of foes, but return to birth and death in this material world. Prabhupada goes on to say, <clears throat> um, it doesn't matter, matter whether one is a karmi, a jnani, a yogi, philanthropist, politician, or whatever. If one has no love for the lotus feet of the Lord, one falls down. 
That is the verdict given by Lord Brahma in this verse. So I'm going to pause and speak a little bit on this part. Please excuse my reading. I have a little bit of uh, old age onset dyslexia. And sometimes the words move around when I'm reading them, but uh, by your mercy I can catch them and actually make them work. So thank you for your patience with me. Uh, uh, this is really interesting here. We were talking about this uh, yesterday over, over lunch, over the feast, this very thing. There are so many non-devotees, and because of uh, uh, the false prestige that, that comes from um, uh, false ego, one thing, we, as we talk to these people when we travel around, we find them, the yoga studios are full of people who uh, in their eyes are, are fully self-realized. They're fully self-realized. They know how to say yoga. And they might even say some cool words like mantra. You know, of course, they pronounce it like mantra. Instead of mantra, it's mantra or whatever, you see. So uh, they're, they're, they're out there and they're professing that they know that... Um, the Supreme Personality of Godhead has no personality. He has no form. He has, uh, he's nothing but the universal energy. They even make up their own words, the universal energy. I've never seen that in any of the Vedas. But that's very common, you see. So this is a description of these people, the so-called yogis, the ganis. They have what they think is knowledge. They'll sometimes we'll see people who have found somebody that uh, was schooled in India, they think so. He's from he's from India, so he's got to be bona fide, <clears throat> and he's got a piece of some philosophy. Not all of it, but just a piece of it. And he's carved out the piece that'll sell, you know, because this is all after all a business, or as they say in Texas, business. It's just business. There, you know, and the object is I'm going to give you something, uh, anything that will uh, make you give me your money. You know, so I need I need you to give me money because I have to pay bills and whatever. So I'll give you something, whatever it takes for you to give me that money. So first of all, it's not that these people are uh, professionals at uh, what they talk. They don't really haven't really total. They're not degreed. They haven't read the Vedas. They got a little piece of this and a piece of that, and now they're trying to make a profit off of you. And from that, we see so many people within the yoga studios that just know everything. They know everything, far more than we could ever know, ever know. And sometimes they even look down on us because they think it's kind of like second class if you think that God has a form. You know, I'm so much more advanced than you, and I pity you because you can't get over this form thing. I've had people say that, you know, why can't you get past the form? You know. Like if you go past the form of Krishna, if you go past the lotus feet of Krishna, then there is this universal energy that's really not doing much of anything. It's just kind of there. They don't really think it through. So yesterday we were talking about, you know, what's it like, this nirvanic stage that we find ourselves in in the impersonal Brahman. Uh, it's it's obviously quite lonely. No, nobody thinks about that. But if you're uh, if you have no... Uh, sensory perception, then you can't tell that there's anybody around you. There may be a crowd of people, but you're not so aware. So you're pretty alone, and you may be feeling some 
blissful whatever. You know, it's kind of hard for the, for the personalist to imagine, you know, what is the attraction. You see, and then we find out once we, once we talk with these people, they haven't been exposed to the concept of the lotus feet of the Lord. You see, it's just like the boys we were talking with yesterday, the boys from El Paso. As we talked about that and got into what's it like to be with Krishna, they thought, wow, this sounds incredibly wonderful. But Don said, I almost cried when I thought about, you know, being able to uh, hug Krishna, being, being able to uh, walk with Krishna, to put your arm around Krishna, to, to hold his hand, you see, to make him something nice, to gather some beautiful flowers, to offer him a beautiful uh, uh, garland. Not out of awe and reverence, not because you think, well, I'd better if I know what's good for me, but because you just love him. And how in Vaikuntha, uh, Krishna is not, rep- is not um, recognized as the supreme personality of Godhead. It's like Jai Dwaita Maharaj and I were talking in, in India. We, we were talking on this subject, and he's a really good one to get deep with. You know, he's, he's incredible. He said, in Vaikuntha, Krishna doesn't get any respect. There was that comedian that used to say, I don't get any respect. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll tell you, I don't get any respect. And we were talking like that. You know, Krishna's like that. I'll tell you, I don't get any respect. But he doesn't get any respect. To the, to the inhabitants of uh, Gokul, they don't see him as the supreme personality of Godhead. They just see him as wonderful Krishna. He's just delightful. He's so beautiful, attractive. Uh, uh, attractive. You can't take your eyes off of him. You curse your eyelids when they blink. He's just beautiful. He's just wonderful. And all you know is that you love him beyond anything. You love him and love him and love him. And this love that you have for him just keeps growing, you see. So there's no awe and reverence. It's not like when you, if you're walking down the grove and go cool and, and Krishna comes around the corner that you immediately throw yourself on the ground and pay dandavats. No, you're just struck by, ah, Krishna, I was waiting to get a glance of you. You're so beautiful. You know, come, take my hand. Let's go. Or you may hide behind a tree and throw some water on him as he walks by and then take off running and he chases you down and you wrestle and you see. All you know is that you just love him beyond imagination. That's all that matters, you see. Not on reverence, not... Uh, anything like that. So those who look beyond the, 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 that lotus-eyed Lord, who, who, look, who try to look beyond his uh, lotus feet, uh, are just foolish. What they don't know is that the impersonal Brahman, the Brahmajyoti, comes from this lotus-eyed boy, you see. Everything else, the Narayan uh, planets, the, the Narayan uh, uh, Expansions of Krishna, you see, they come from this little boy. This little boy is the source of all sources. He is the beginning, and everything comes from him. So therefore, if you're looking for Krishna, the supreme personality, it stops with that lotus-eyed boy, you see. So you can you can try to find God as so many things. Well, he's... He's the universal energy. He's the this or that. He's the almighty, the four-armed, 
He strikes awe and reverence into everyone, and you can trace it back and back and back. At the end, the source of all this is this young boy with a flute. And, and, and is probably going to play some sort of a prank on you. You see? So we have to lighten up. If we're going to go back home, back to Godhead, to this home, to go cool, we have to lighten up. We've got to start to see Krishna with this love, you see. Well, and to do that, we have to kind of get over ourselves. We have to kind of get over the feeling that, oh, I'm so fallen. Well, okay, we know that now that we've got that out of the way. What about Krishna? Well, I'm just so fallen. Yeah, I know, I thought we got that out of the way. What about, let's talk about Krishna. Or, you know, maybe should we talk about how fallen we are? I don't find that very enlivening. So let's talk about this lotus-eyed boy. You see? Every time I find that we, we talk about him and not how fallen we are or anything else, we all feel uh, happy. So let me continue. Are there any questions or comments at this point? Yes, Mother? No, it'll be different. I've discussed that with Tamal Krishna Goswami. Uh, it seems like it was a hundred years ago we talked about that, but it couldn't have been that long. It was a long time ago. And it's, uh, whereas Srila Prabhupada will be there and we will know our guru, we will know our guru, but it won't be the same kind of relationship. It's not going to be the same thing that we are thinking of now, you see. It's not going to be like falling down and on reverence. You see, there's there's not uh, there's not any, any room for that in Gokul. Like I say, we have to lighten up. We've got to fall in love. You know, awe and reverence and love don't really go hand in hand. In the beginning, there may be some awe and reverence, but once we once we transcend that, if our if our destination is Gokul, then we will transcend that and get into just um, a love that we can't imagine in this consciousness, a a love that supersedes and overpowers everything. Intense Krishna Prem, Krishna Prem. It's it's hard for us to, maybe it's even impossible for us to imagine Krishna Prem. Probably is, you know. So, but that's, that's what it's all about. Krishna Prem, sharing Krishna Prem with every entity around you. Even the trees, you see. Every entity there, the grass, the trees, everything, the cows, we're sharing Krishna Prem with them. So, and this intense love focused on on Krishna and and sharing it with each other because we can appreciate the the service attitude of everyone around us because they're serving our beloved which makes them so lovable as well. 
you see. It's, it's perfection. It's an ocean of, of love. Krishna Prem. Does that make any sense? All right, continuing with the purport. There are persons who advocate accepting any process and who say that whatever process one accepts will lead to the same goal. But that is refuted in this verse, where such persons are referred to as vimuktamaninaha, signifying that although they think they have attained the highest perfection, in fact, they have not. You see? Oh, and that, I'm going to pause for just a second. That's another thing that we find uh, in preaching in the yoga studios. You, you find some people who say, I'm like the honeybee. I go from flower to flower to flower and extract a little nectar. So I go from um, philosophy to philosophy to philosophy and extract the very best. And I know that that could be considered dangerous. I'm quoting somebody, actual some yoga teacher in Oak Ridge, by the way. And I know that that may be considered dangerous by some, but through my intense knowledge, I'm able to gather the best nectar of all religions. Hmm. And then, you know, of course I had to zip my mouth because I was about to say, yeah, how's that working for you? You know, this person saying this was obviously not a pure devotee of the Lord. Obviously. You see, and very easily I could have embarrassed them, but I was trying to get um, them to let me give a class in their studio. So, and they said, I said, they wanted to know, uh, well, Swami, what do you want? Well, I'd like to, I'd like to give a Bhagavad Gita class in your uh, yoga studio, and then you can send out an email to all the contacts you have and invite people. Oh. She said, well, I, I think Bhagavad Gita would be too heavy for my clientele. And I said, okay, that's fine. How about a class on uh, the science of self-realization? <sighs> that sounds wonderful. You know, I'm pulling this out of my sleeve as I go. I'm just making it. Yeah. As a matter of fact, let's do part one. Yoga, uh, bhakti yoga. on oh, Bhakti. The yoga of love. Oh, this is wonderful. This is grand. So she sent out the email, and the place filled up. Everybody came. And, and so I sat down. I took out the Bhagavad Gita. I turned to the, you know, I quoted the verse. I read that, and then I gave a class. And everybody loved it. And from that, some people became devotees and, and started chanting Hare Krishna and following the four regulative principles. So in other words, if we're looking for alternative measures... And I hear a lot of people say, well, we need alternative ways to preach. All right, you know, uh, it's going to be, the, for me anyway, I'm just speaking for moi, uh, it's going to be the same old, same old. I'll call it anything you want. I'll put it in any kind of package that'll sell. Any, uh, uh, get my foot in the door any way I can. But it's going to be the same old, same old. <laughs> and people loved it. But now they probably wouldn't have come to hear a Bhagavad Gita class. So... What I learned from that is to, is to come up with a nice exotic title. So when I go to the yoga studios, I have a beautiful exotic title that they, you know, the new one I've, I've come up with is What Lies Beyond Faith. You know, and it's just going to be Bhagavad Gita, you know. <laughs> so, so, 
So we find lots of people like this. They think I can pick a little bit, I can pick a petal off of each flower and it'll all be the same. Uh, In the present day, big, big politicians all over the world think that by scheming, they can occupy the highest political post, that of president or prime minister. But we actually see that even in this life, such big-time ministers, presidents, and other politicians, because of being non-devotees, <clears throat> fall down. Patanti adaha. To become president or prime minister is not easy. One must work very hard. Our uh, Aruhya Kritrena, to achieve that post. And even though one may reach his goal, at any moment one may be kicked down by material nature. In human society, there have been many instances in which great exalted politicians have fallen from government and become lost in historical oblivion. <laughs> the cause of this is Avishuddha Buddhaya. Their intelligence is impure. The Shastra says, Na, na te vidhus svarata gatim hi vishnum Bhagavad Gita, na Bhagavatam 7.5.31. One achieves the perfection of life by becoming a devotee of Vishnu. But people do not know this. Therefore, as stated in Bhagavad Gita 12.5, Klesho Persons who do not ultimately accept the Supreme Personality of Godhead and take to devotional service, but who instead are attached to impersonalism and voidism, must undergo great labor to achieve their goals. Sreyam Sritim Bhaktim Udasya Tevibo Yantiye Kevala Bodha Labdhaye Bhagavatam 10.14.4 To achieve understanding, such persons work very hard and undergo severe austerities, but their hard labor and austerities themselves are their only achievement. That's interesting. What a statement. They're doing all this hard labor and all these penances and austerities, and their only achievement is that, that's, that they did that. You know? What did you achieve? Well, I, I performed the austerity. Well, well, but what did you get? Well, I, I did the, all, all the austerity and the hard work. You know, but what did you get? <laughs> so, but their hard labor... And austerities themselves are their only achievement, for they do not actually achieve the real goal of life. Dhruva Maharaj at first wanted to achieve the greatest material kingdom and, uh, and greater material possessions than his father. But when he was actually favored by the Lord, who appeared before him to give the benediction he desired, Dhruva Maharaj refused it, saying, Swamin kritarto svinvaram na yache. So, um, that translation is, Now I am fully satisfied. I do not want any material benediction. That's from the Hari Bhakti Sudhoya 7.28. This is the perfection of life. So, um, this is a good example. Dhruva Maharaj 
uh, because of uh, situations in his childhood, he was hurt. He felt his feelings were hurt because his father favored, uh, uh, was it stepbrother, you see? And so he was hurt. It, it, it was like a, a knife in his heart, and it festered all his life until he went to the forest and started to meditate. And his goal was to achieve uh, material opulence greater than his father. Like, I'll show him I don't need a daddy. I'll, I'll be better than you. And so out of his incre- intense meditation, Krishna appeared. You see, And then when he saw Krishna, Krishna is saying, I, I'm, I'm here to give you your boon. I'm here to give you what you desire. I'm going to give you what you've wanted all your life. And Dhruva Maharaj, after seeing Krishna, said, I don't want anything but you. <laughs> I have you, you see, which is an important point. What is it that we're uh, striving for? What's the goal? What do we want? We want to own Krishna. I want Krishna all the time. I don't want him to ever leave me. I want to be with him every minute of every day. I want to, any time that I feel like it, I want to be able to glance and see him, which means I'll never take my eyes off of him. You see, when it comes time to take rest, I want to lay down with him. I want to get up, fix him some breakfast, you see. I don't want to miss a moment. That's the liberation that we uh, Vaishnavas are seeking. That's what we want. That's our goal. We want Krishna. We want to own him. And you can purchase Krishna through loving devotional service. Rupa Goswami makes that clear in the Nectar of, uh, nectar of Devotion. <coughs> is that it is as, as if you have purchased him, if you perform loving devotional service to him. So this is the goal, and it's achievable. We can do it. We can have Krishna. So it's okay to desire Krishna. Why do we want to serve Krishna? Because that's who we are and what we do, and what do I get for it? I want him. And everyone, every living entity, all the the uh, unlimited numbers of living entities, everyone can have Krishna, their own personal Krishna. We can all do this. You're, as I've told people, uh, told people many times, when it comes to your relationship with Krishna, you are Krishna's most favorite living entity. You're his f- most favorite. And at the same time, so are you, and so are you. And he can do that because he's God. You are his favorite. And it's real. It's not imitation or... Play acting, it's real. You are his favorite. He is delighted to see you. He's absolutely delighted by you. He can't get over you. He can't. He can't take his eyes off of you for a moment. Proof of that is when you come to this material world to get away from him, he comes with you. It's Paramatma. He can't leave you. We need to be as captivated by Krishna as he is by, uh, with us. If we could return a, a small portion of the love that he sends to us, we would be successful. You see, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to love Krishna. And, and the, uh, 
In order to get there, we perform loving devotional service to Krishna. By performing loving devotional service to Krishna, we're purchasing Krishna. Now we get to own Krishna. So we get what we want. And he gets what he wants. He gets you. Your attention. Your love. That's what he wants. And he likes to get what he wants. So therefore, he sends devotees. He sends his pure devotee, Srila Prabhupada. He comes as, his, as himself, I mean, as his devotee. He comes, he tries so hard. Krishna is trying so hard, you see. <coughs> so... Klesho dikantaraste sam avyakta shakta chetasam. Persons who do not ultimately accept the supreme personality of Godhead and take to devotional service, but who instead are attracted to impersonalism and voidism, must undergo great labor to achieve their goals. Okay, I will reiterate that. I'm sorry. And Prabhupada, he continues here, yam, yam labdwak. Chaparam labdam manyate narikam tataha. Bhagavad Gita 6.22 If one achieves the shelter of the, lotus, of the Lord's lotus feet, one is fully satisfied and does not seek to ask for any material benediction. At night, no one can see a lotus, for lotuses blossom only during the daytime. Therefore, the word aravindakshaha uh, is significant. <clears throat> one who is not captivated by the lotus eyes or transcendental form of the Lord is in darkness, exactly like one who cannot see a lotus. One who has not come to the point of seeing the lotus eyes and transcendental form of Shamshundar is a failure. Premanjana churita bhakti vilochana santaha Sadaiva ridaishu vilokayanti. Those who are attached to the supreme personality of Godhead in love always see the Lord's lotus eyes and lotus feet, whereas others cannot see the Lord's beauty and are therefore classified as anadrita yashmud angrahaya, or neglectful of the Lord's personal form. Those who neglect the Lord's form are surely failures on every path in life. But if one develops even a little love for the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one is liberated without difficulty. Therefore, the Supreme Personality of Godhead recommends in Bhagavad Gita 9.34, Manmana bhava madbhakto yad madhyajat Simply think of me, become my devotee, worship me, and offer some slight homage to me. Simply by this process, one is guaranteed to return home, back to Godhead, and thus attain the highest perfection. The Lord further affirms in Bhagavad Gita 1854 and 55, <coughs> Brahma Bhutta Prasanatma Nasochi 
One who is thus transcendentally situated at once realizes the Supreme Brahman and becomes fully joyful. He never laments nor desires to have anything. He is equally disposed to every living entity. In that state, he attains pure devotional service unto me. One can understand the Supreme Personality as he is only by devotional service. And when one is in full consciousness of the Supreme Lord by such devotion, he can enter into the kingdom of God. Once again, the verse. Someone may say that aside from devotees who always seek shelter at the Lord's lotus feet, there are those who are not devotees, but have, who have accepted different processes for attaining salvation. What happens to them? In answer to this question, Lord Brahma and the other demigods said, O lotus-eyed Lord, although non-devotees who accept severe austerities and penances to achieve the highest position may think themselves liberated, their intelligence is impure. They fall down from their position of imagined superiority because they have no regard for your lotus feet. So are there any questions or comments? Yes, Prabhu? What Prabhupada was referring to is the hard labor of uh, like Ashtanga Yoga, you know, trying to achieve some liberation through Ashtanga Yoga, you know, finding a secluded place, sitting in a certain asana with the spine well, at, at a, uh, in line with the center of the earth, focusing one's attention to a, a spot one quarter inch off the tip of the nose, bringing the life's air up in the top, you know, like... Like that, <clears throat> depriving the senses, not utilizing the senses in the service of Krishna, but depriving the senses, which is kind of a funny thing. And we have to be very careful, you know, when we travel around and we're preaching to these people who are, they've even heard of Ashtanga Yoga sometimes. They don't know. <laughs> they have no idea. You know, I've, I've even told them, you know, well, you know, uh, Gee whiz, you can't do some Ashtanga yoga and then go out and have a beer with the guys. That's not going to work. That's not going to get you to your goal. You know? You can't say, well, you know, uh, no yoga class this Sunday because we're going to get together and watch this. We're going to have a Super Bowl party. You know? It, it, it means restraining. You, you kind of end the process of the senses. It's very difficult. Very difficult. They don't even know. They think, you know, I can just kind of sit and ohm a little bit and get in the sauna, breathe a little bit, maybe do a little stretchy here and there. And, uh, and then I can, oh, on. what do you get when you do that? Oh, I see God. Yeah, okay. Boy, God's really cheap, you know. 
And then after you do that for a while, you know, you get together with some other guys and uh, go throw back a few beers or something. Some intoxication of some kind. You know, because you worked hard. You did your, your, all your ohms and your stretching and, you know. You see, so that's what, that's what he's talking about here. But yeah, but uh, people work and... Um, uh, and they receive some some pay, so. But it's kind of like when 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 we receive some payment, if we don't purify that activity, then we're incurring karma. We have to purify that. We purify it by using some of it as much as we can comfortably in the service of the Lord. You know, it's not that we starve our children, or drive a rattle trap of a car just so. No, no. But then we don't want to go extravagant. Whatever we can, we uh, use in the service of the Lord. That purifies the whole existence of this karmic reaction of receiving. I did and I received, you see. Does that make any sense? Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Good to see you. Yeah, when you're associating with people out in the material world, how can we stay close to Krishna? He's always there. He's he's always with us. In our in in the region of the heart, the the soul, you are are located somewhere in the region, and right next to you is Krishna, in, in Paramatma. Right next to you, you can you can reach out and touch him anytime you want to. How can God allow this to happen? People wonder that all the time. Sometimes people say, well, if there's a God, how come he can let famines? How come he can let wars? You know. So in other words, what we're actually at, when we analyze that, what we're actually asking God to do is to clean up for my mistakes. In other words, uh, do you believe in as you sow, so shall you reap? 
In the Bible it says, as you sow, so shall you reap. Uh, what goes around comes around. So what's coming around, we sent around. Uh, which is another topic we can, that's a whole, which was almost a whole class really. Uh, no one is a victim. People like to be victims. Whenever you see someone that's posing themselves as a victim, you find somebody that's got some mental instability or they've got some crooked thing they're trying to do. Nobody is a victim. The law of karma is perfect and pure. We reap what we sow, you see. So if something has happened to us, then it's from our own activities. The wheel is coming around. You see, so if we find some, someone that takes a birth in a war zone and and has a tortured life, they're sharing. A, uh, there there is a, a collective karma. I had an argument with this one person about that. How can there be collective karma if we're individuals? Well, how would you explain Hiroshima? How would you explain uh, the tsunami? These people, you know, two hundred thousand people died. They had collective karma. They all had similar, very similar karma, you see. So these people have some karma. And it's, and it's mercy to pay it off, to be able to pay it off. Now you can say, well, they died. Well, no, they lost that body. They'll go on to another body. But that death is gone. That debt is cleared, you see. It's Krishna's mercy. Does he like that? No. He doesn't want us to incur this nonsense. He doesn't want us to do nonsense activity. Yeah, yeah. He wants us to get off this cycle of birth, death, disease, and old age, and karma. You know, he, you know. But he's with us even when we're thinking we're a squirrel or we were convinced we're a bird. He's with us. You know, he's, he's observing. Yes, Prabhuji? Well, they earned it. Yeah. However, Krishna can, he reserves the right to, to, to have special mercy anytime he wants to. You know, it can just be, as the verse was the uh, day before yesterday, I think it was, it can just be because, uh, uh, it can be because Krishna just decides to. You know, like, you know, I think I'm going to give you some special mercy. Causeless mercy. You didn't do anything. You, you didn't earn it. You know, that's why a lot of times we feel, most of the time, we feel undeserving. Well, of course we're undeserving. Now we got that out of the way, let's talk about Krishna. You see? That's why it's not good to get wrapped up in, I'm so undeserving, I'm so fallen. Okay, we all know that. You know, would you like to talk? Why don't you, why don't you call me when you're ready to talk about Krishna? Okay? Because uh, I know you're fallen. Well, we all know that, so... I don't know why that's so important to you, but how do we get unfallen? Let's focus on Krishna. And then the fallen thing is just like something in the past. We don't want to hang on to it. You know, I don't know if I want to roll around with Krishna and wrestle and, you know, I'm not finished being fallen over here, you know? How come nobody will listen to me? I'm fallen. I'm trying to tell you. You see what I mean? 
oh yeah, well there's a way out. You, you, can, you can take Krishna's hand. And we've all been shown causeless mercy. Srila Prabhupada came to the West. He established ISKCON. He translated his books. He engaged his disciples and their disciples into spreading these books and spreading this movement, you see. So if we think, well, I don't know if I want to go be part of that because I'm undeserving. Whatever, okay. Sounds like a good excuse on why you'd like to embrace Maya instead. Yeah, did you have a question, Linda Mataji? Well, yeah, it can be. I mean, it, can, it very well can slow you down. She wants. She was saying that uh, if you focus on your how fallen you are enough, can't that hamper your advancement? Yeah, and we have that tendency. See, that's a problem that we have that we really need to get over in this material world. Is that it's all about me? You know, I came here because, you know, in, in Gokul, oh, there's really a whole lot of Krishna going on up there. It's just, I mean, nobody seems to notice me. You know, it's Krishna this, Krishna that, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. You know, what do I have to do to get people to recognize my greatness? I have to get away from this Krishna. So I come to the material world. And now that I'm here, it can be all about me. Of course, the static that I have with you and everybody else is you want to make it all about you. So I have to do something. Maybe I'll, I'll uh, wear the latest hairdo, or I'll wear the latest fashions, or get a really cool car. But somehow or other, you're going to bet, you're going to recognize that it's all about me, or I'll die trying, you see. So that's our curse. That's what we're involved in. I want attention. I want attention. In the spiritual world, Krishna gets all the attention. And I want to see what it's like to be him. I want the attention. I'll do whatever. I'll make money. You know, people desire this attention sometimes to the point that it makes them crazy. They go a little crazy. They do. Um, unstable, mentally unstable things to get attention, even to, to the point to destroy their life to get attention. Pity. A, 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 a pity party that's going on all the time. We've all known people like this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They can't get over it because I, I need to be the center of attention. So that you're exactly right. That's if, you know, for me to talk about how fallen I am all the time is trying to get attention. I'm trying to get you to realize that I am so fallen. You know, I'm sorry, Prabhu, but I'm trying to look at Krishna. Yeah, but, you know, I'm trying to tell you how fallen I am. Well, it, it immediately gets washed away. <laughs> yes, Mother?
Yeah. But, okay, so let's establish it. I'm fallen. Okay, next subject. You see? Now, if I, what, we're, what we're saying is I can't wallow in that. How do I get unfallen? And the purpose is not for me to recognize just how fallen I am. The purpose is for me to recognize just how wonderful Krishna is and to focus on Krishna. When we, when we turn towards the light, then the darkness is behind us, you see. Now, we can always feel from time to time, we may feel so fallen and undeserving. But then we need to pass right on through that moment and get into meditating on the lotus feet of the lotus-eyed boy and, and serving him. And not serving him thinking, oh, I'm so fallen, so I'd better serve you. No, fall in love with Krishna. Refall in love. We have it. It's dormant. We need to wake it up, you see. So some people, uh, they're, they're shy to do certain services because they feel they're, they're undeserving. Well, all of us are undeserving. Well, I'm unqualified. We're all unqualified. Get over it. Do the service. That will purify you. This verse, is very, this is very, Prabhupada is very clear. It's very clear. By performing devotional service only, can you get to Krishna? But I'm, un, but I'm unqualified. I give up, you know. Do the service. Fall in love with Krishna. Yes, we know you're unqualified. Yes, we know you're fallen. Now enough about you. Let's go on with Krishna. And then you'll become unfallen and qualified by performing devotional service. You see? So we can't get hung up on that. We know it. We know it. We already know it. So if we get hung up on it, it'll, it'll trip us up. Did you have another question or comment? No? Yes, Rupanuga Prabhu. That's a good question, because uh, there are different levels of undeserving. You know, it's just like there are different levels, you know, of of uh, of uh, consciousness, realization. So some people, uh, some people are trying so hard to be their own god. You see, it's like we were talking yesterday at lunch. Some people uh, are attracted to the impersonal Brahman, the impersonal feature of God. Because if, if, uh, if he doesn't have a personality, then he can't ask me to do anything. If he can't ask me to do anything, he certainly can't ask me to do anything I don't want to do for him, you see, which is upside down from bhakti. There's no bhakti in that. 
I'm afraid that you'll ask me, I would, I would surrender to you and give you a personality, but then I'm afraid you'll make me do something for you that I don't want to do for you or anybody. Yeah, yeah I have to, then I have to be accountable, you know, and I can live without that. You know, I don't need that, you see. So there are different levels of consciousness, different levels of, uh, of um, uh, disqualification. So, uh, and it depends on the heart. If we have a flicker in our heart of desire to love Krishna and to get over ourselves, you know, to, to become qualified, then Krishna then may say, oh, let me fan that, 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 that flame and get it to blaze. You see, it just takes a little flicker, you know. And then Krishna gives you the opportunity to become qualified and unfallen. Some people are more fallen, you see. Although Krishna could go to someone like a Joseph Stalin or Adolf Hitler and give them causeless mercy when they're in the height of their nonsense, you see. He could if he wanted to. I mean, maybe right in the middle of, uh, of everything. I mean, maybe somebody like a Stalin or a Hitler, uh, maybe they had a change of heart. It could be. They think, oh, I'm so tired of being such a jerk. I want to be, I want to find God. And if they felt sincere, he may be inclined to send them his pure devotee. You see? But it depends on that. You've got to have some flicker in your heart. There's got to be something there to where you start to desire Krishna. Please, please show me yourself. You know, I can't. It's kind of like that Karpanya Doshopahata Swabhavaha moment that uh, Arjuna had. You know, uh, I can't do this on my own. I'm getting confused. You know, so I, I need your help, my Lord. And even if you then immediately you go back into your Maya activity or whatever, but if you just have a flickering moment like that, that I need you, then Krishna may be inclined to say, ah, oh, let, me, let me give you some help. My pure devotee is just down the street. One of his disciples is going to deliver a book to you today. This thing's going to work. All you have to do is read the book, surrender to the pure devotee. All you have to do, I'm going to give you a chance to grab hold. But you have free will. An interesting concept that I discussed with Jadwaita Maharaj because of that, Krishna doesn't know what you're going to do. You have free will. So this is very exciting, this story. You and your, your, your trek through this material world is very exciting to Krishna. What will you do next? What will you not do? What, what opportunities will you grasp? And what will you waste? Very, very interesting to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Positively. Yeah, we're still foolish. We're still contaminated and attached to the material world. And, and then, and then I, that's actually true because by the time, um, I mean, it, sometimes it takes a long time for people to realize just what they have. 
You know, just by getting that book, by hearing about Krishna, by going to see the deity, we it takes us a while to work up the appreciation and to realize, have some assessment of just what we have. And as we as we go through life, we'll we'll reassess those earlier days and see how fortunate we were. It, it that keeps growing as our consciousness grows to the point where we can understand what's been happening to us for thirty five years or whatever. You know, we'll know better tomorrow. We'll have a different understanding tomorrow than we have today, and we'll see that how our whole life is fitting together like an intricate puzzle, Krishna's put it all together. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Yeah. No, Prabhupada said that we should be and actually, Rupa Goswami talks about that. We should develop a lalyam. Lalyam is a lust for Krishna. You know, we don't even, according to Rupa Goswami and Nectar of Devotion, we don't even think like, I'm not deserving or uh, this isn't, the, uh, you know, it's not right for me to just grab it. If that mercy is available, grab it. Grab it and run with it. You see? We've got to develop lalyam. This lust for Krishna, you see. Lust is not bad when you turn it towards Krishna. It's recommended. The pure devotees have this greed, greed for Krishna, you see. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Mother. Right. Oh, he could predict, and uh, it's a, it's a well, it's a good it's it's a good this is a good conversation. I, I talked with Jad Wait tomorrow. We got we we're in Mayapur. We just got like I said, he's a really good one to go deep with. Uh, Krishna can know if he wants to, but why would he want to? Put yourself in Krishna's place. He he gives you free will. He doesn't really know what you will decide. He knows that I'm going to send you an opportunity to go this way or that way. But because of this magical free will, I don't know which way you're going to go, and this is really interesting, you see. Now, yeah, we, we, we can predict what our children will do, but then there are times that they're going to do things that we really, you know, we didn't see coming, you know. So, which allows us to be personal, you see, allows us to be personal because uh, there needs to be a little bit of unpredictability. For, you know, it makes the relationship uh, sweeter. So, uh, of course, Krishna being absolute, if he wanted to, he could figure out. But uh, Jadwaita Maharaj made the point, why would he want to? He's a person too. He finds this interesting as the story unfolds. And he's, he can expand himself with every living entity. And as the, he's there as the um, uh, 
the witness. He's watching. He's watching our movie, the movie of our lives, our trip through the material world. You see. And we may think of ourselves as insignificant, and that's great. We are. But to him, we're not. This is very interesting to him, what we're going to do. You see. And if we can think like that, then we'll think, uh, our, our, our thinking will become more, uh, more clear when we're making our decisions, when we're utilizing our free will. We'll have a, 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 a more, it's, it's called becoming conscious of Krishna or becoming Krishna conscious, that Krishna is actually here watching me. Not like he's a, some big mean God that's keeping an eye on me. He's very interested you see. He yeah. He takes ten towards us. Yeah. So what I what I like to say is, what happens if we if we run towards Krishna? <laughs> and then what I ask myself sometimes is, why don't I run towards Krishna? Sometimes I, I want to, and sometimes I'll take two or three steps, and then, you know. So so let's all run towards Krishna. Let's run out the door and run towards Krishna. <laughs> yeah. All right, I apologize for taking you all of your time so long. Thank you so much for your patience. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.